When Christ Comes to Town, preached on Palm Sunday, March 22, 1970. The text, Luke 19, the 29th through the 44 verses. And the text is found in Luke, the 19th chapter, those familiar verses beginning at the 29th. And Jesus came near Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, and he sent two disciples ahead with these instructions. Go to the village there ahead of you, and as you go in, you will find a coat tied up that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks you, why are you untying it, tell them the master needs it. They went on their way and found everything just as Jesus had told them. And as they were untying the coat, its owner said to them, Why are you untying it? The master needs it, they answered, and took the coat to Jesus. Then they threw their cloaks over the animal and helped Jesus get on. And as he rode on, they spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near Jerusalem, at the place where the road went down, the Mount of Olives, the large crowd of his disciples began to thank God and praise him in loud voices for all the great things that they had seen. God bless the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to God. Then some of the Pharisees spoke up from the crowd to Jesus. Teacher, they said, command your disciples to be quiet. Jesus answered, if they keep quiet, I tell you, the stones themselves will shout. He came closer to the city, and when he saw it, he wept over it, saying, if you only knew today what is needed for peace, but now you cannot see it. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will surround you with barricades, blockade you, and close you in and from every side. They will completely destroy you and the people within your walls. Not a single stone will they leave in its place, because you did not recognize the time when God came to save you. Amen. And amen. Thank God for Palm Sunday. And I say this not just because this day has always been a great benchmark in the calendar of the Christian, but I say that because this year we seem to be having tremendously difficult times as a nation. And in many of our communities and in our towns. And Palm Sunday, I think, can be a day that can give strength to the discouraged Christian. Palm Sunday, you know, is the day when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, the city of peace. And when one looks closely as to what happened when Jesus entered that town, I think one gets to be able to see more clearly and accept more readily some of the things that are happening in our particular day 
and can in turn live more dynamically and triumphantly than many of us who bear the name Christian are doing in this particular day of turmoil and revolution and destruction. Yes, Palm Sunday has much to say to the individual who is living in 1970. Because when Jesus entered into the town of Jerusalem, we see many things happening then that can almost be compared with what is happening today. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem, the first thing we can see is that Christ brought with him into that town confusion and great commotion. You read the account, allow your imaginations to roam a little bit, and, and you can see people who are clapping their hands, others who are waving palm branches, men, women, and children everywhere singing Hosanna, which, by the way, interpreted means save us. We see all sorts of noises, and you can be sure that there were many people standing on the roadside wondering, what does all of this mean? Who is this one who comes into our midst? What is the meaning of all this? And then when you begin to think about it and recollect all of the history it's found in the Bible, you notice, maybe it's strange, but nevertheless it's true, that whenever Jesus comes into a town, there is always commotion and confusion. Look what happened to him when he came to the little town of Bethlehem, when God brought him into the world. When his measurements were no more than eight pounds in weight and no more than twenty-four inches long, and the only voice he had was that of the cry of a baby. Angels began to sing in the heavens, and shepherds down here on the earth were puzzled, the Bible tells us. They were confused. And they said, what is this thing that has come to pass? Let us go and see. A star appeared over in the east, and wise men in that particular country said, let us go search what this means. Even Mary, the blessed mother of Jesus, when Jesus entered into the world through her, the Bible tells us she didn't know what all this meant. She merely pondered these things in her heart. But look what happened when the spirit of holiness entered into the people of Jerusalem. Remember up there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? There was a sound like wind, there was fire, and appeared like tongues of fire upon everybody's head, and everyone started to speak in tongues. There was mass pandemonium. And people were saying, what is happening? One wise individual said, they're drunk, they're full of wine. That's how confusing that particular day was. But they were not drunk with wine, they were drunk with the Holy Spirit because God had visited them. And there was confusion, and there was commotion. And the Bible is quite explicit that when Christ comes again, and he shall come, we will know it by days of confusion, days of commotion here upon earth. 
The Bible says it will be a very busy day and people will be on mountains and running around streets and going into the villages. It will be a day filled with confusion. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, let's not be too surprised when maybe some of our days are filled with horrible confusion. Granted, some of our confusion may be caused by the instruments of evil and by the children of darkness, but let's not give them all the credit. Because some of the commotion and some of the confusion that is happening within the church and the world and in some of our towns, you know, it could just very well be God breaking into our midst. It may be Christ coming into our presence, because when he entered, remember, into Jerusalem, he brought with him confusion. And secondly, we see that when he came to town, Christ brought with him a challenge, a challenge for the people to cleanse their temples. Isn't it strange that the first place Christ went when he entered Jerusalem, was to the religious community. He didn't go downtown to the city fathers. He didn't go to sit into the parliament. He didn't go to the shopkeepers. He went to the religious community. God, whenever he is breaking into the midst of his people, always goes first to the religious community. And he began to cleanse the temple. An abomination to the Lord then and now are those individuals who are trying to use their religion instead of allowing their religion to use them. Individuals who have turned God's house of prayer as only a place where they prey upon the innocence and the ignorance of other people to glorify themselves and to use spiritual things for self-glorification. God doesn't like those people, and when Christ comes to town, the first thing he does is to ride the religious community, worship, organization, and everything of individuals who are nothing more in his sight than religious robbers. He went in and he violently overthrew those individuals who were changing money at exorbitant prices, those individuals who are cheating people by selling them pigeons and sheep at outrageous prices. And he cleansed. He cleansed the religious community. Folks, let's not be too surprised, you see, then, when the church is being challenged by all sorts of forces today to cleanse itself. Now, we of the Protestant tradition especially remember that it was in the 16th century when Christ entered into the heart of a man by the name of Martin Luther, and when he entered into the town of Wittenberg, Germany, that he came with this idea that the church of that particular century must be cleansed. The corruption had come into the very body of Christ. And many things were being practiced by the people that were traditional and which were acceptable, but which were unscriptural and which were wrong. And you remember it was Martin Luther who nailed the theses to the door that brought about a great challenge of the established church of that day, 
which eventually brought about a cleansing unit, a remnant that was saved from the established church, and the result was the Protestant movement, of which you are a part. That was what? Four centuries ago. I am vain enough to say that there is not a Protestant church of either the major or the minor brands today that cannot use some cleansing. And we are no exception, for in many of our practices within our own United Presbyterian Church, there are many things that we are doing that we're doing out of tradition, and which we are doing and accept only because we have always done them that way. But if we were really to search the scriptures and to understand the truth of God and to follow the leading of his Holy Spirit, we would find that we are being challenged to get rid of these things and to cleanse them. There are many people today upset in the world about the great decrease of church membership within the trade. It's called the increase of the decrease. Many people say this is bad. I personally don't like it until I read texts like this, because then I come to the realization that maybe this is not all bad. And many of these people who are falling away by the wayside, it's only God's carthetic way of cleansing his church. Think about that for a while. And we are being challenged more in the last ten years than perhaps the church has in the last hundred years. Some of it's just, much of it is unjust, but where it is right, we must realize that when Christ comes to town, he challenges first the Christian community, the religious community, and he cleanses his own. And sometimes that can be very painful, as the Pharisees and the Sadducees found out. It was very hard on them. So I guess it was hard on the reestablished church of that day. We can expect that such cleansing is going to be painful for us, too. There's something else that happens when Christ comes to town. Controversy. Controversy. Jesus came into town on Sunday, and by Tuesday, less than 48 hours later, he had involved himself in dialogue and in controversy with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians. To translate that, with the religious leaders, the political leaders, and the financial wizards of the day. Within 48 hours, Jesus had embroiled himself in dialogue with the individual leaders of the community on such topics as authority, taxation, and morality. Now, some people I know don't like to hear this, and being an individual who is basically a peace-loving soul himself, I don't like the word controversy. I don't like to get involved in it. And I know many of you are saying the world would be a lot better off if the church and the Christian would stay out of any controversy. Now, you may think that, but let's get the record straight. Jesus never ran away from controversy. That's what Palm Sunday tells us. That's what happened when Jesus came to town. 
And sometimes I wonder when I hear people saying that the reason that the church or the reason that the world is in such a mess today is because the church has gotten involved in social issues, political issues, and tried to manipulate the power structures of our society. And I think maybe they're right. Until then, I think on the other side, and I think maybe the reason the world is in the mess today is because we Christians have not gotten into the controversy sooner. That's a possibility. Jesus never ran away from a fight. It caused controversy. But all week long you see him standing up to those individuals who opposed him. He loved them, but he still was willing to get involved in controversy, and that's what happens when Christ comes to town. And another thing which is most disturbing to me is that when Christ comes to town, you must be willing to expect conflict between people who are in the company of the committee. You know, do you ever realize what power for good we would be able to exert if only we could get Christians together to agree? Never forget that Jesus had more trouble with his disciples at times than he did with his enemies. That's still the problem today within the Christian church. Do you remember those disciples of Jesus when he confronted them with the news that he must go up to Jerusalem to die? Oh no, don't do it, Lord. We're going to hurt you up there. Jesus had to be very curt with Peter and the rest of the disciples and say, Get thee behind me, Satan, for he must turn his face and go up to Jerusalem. We read in the last week of our earth's life, the disciples got into more than one argument amongst themselves. They argued to be sure which one of them was the greatest, but I'm sure they argued as to how the kingdom was to come here on earth. They couldn't agree. And some biblical scholars, who I think are, are more fair than perhaps right, say that the problem with Judas Iscariot is that he was not mercenary and he just didn't want those 30 pieces of silver. What he was actually trying to do was to force the hand of Jesus and make him confront the, the authority of the land. And he knew that if he could cause Jesus' arrest, Jesus no longer could stay away from a facing or a confrontation with the authorities of that day. The disciples, you see, could not agree. So why should we get so upset in our particular day when this particular religious community cannot agree with this particular religious community, or we see this Christian opposing this Christian as to tactics which are supposed to be used to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. And what one particular group within our church throughout the world must realize, that we Christians are not fighting over whether or not war is right or wrong. We all know that it's wrong. We are not fighting over the fact whether or not men of different colored skin should be allowed into the church. We know that men of all colors, races, belong in the church of Jesus Christ. We are not fighting over whether or not injustice is right or wrong. All injustice is wrong. The things that we oppose our Christian brothers on are not the goals, but the tactics 
as to how we should achieve these particular goals. The disciples of Christ fought when Christ came to town. They were in conflict and could not agree. So today, when Christians cannot agree, let's not throw our hands up in despair, but may we realize this is what happens when Christ comes to town. And then there's something else that happens when Christ comes to town. It's very ugly. I wish I didn't have to say it. Crucifixion comes when Christ comes to town. Jesus came to Jerusalem and he died. Many a great man and woman in the history of our land and in the history of any great nation has had to die for the sake of the Christian cause and for the principles of right. And in our own day, we have seen people assassinated, killed, murdered, crucified, who maybe even though we did not agree with them, they were individuals who were standing up for some of the same teachings that Jesus Christ presented when he came to Jerusalem. When Christ comes to town, so does death. And though most of us will not be called upon to die physically for our Lord, before we can be instruments of his might and his power and his peace, many of us are going to have to die, though, to our sin. We're going to have to die more to ourselves. Some of our ideas that we thought have been tremendous, some of them are going to have to die. Some of our traditions, which we thought were so sacred, they're going to have to die before Christ is a power throughout all the world. So let's remember that when we see those good old days gone by. And when we like to talk about the way it used to be, and we find it no more like that, it may be sorrowful, and it may be sad, and we may want to shed a tear or two, but let's remember that maybe the death was caused in crucifixion, simply because Christ came to town. When Christ comes to town, you see, there's confusion, challenge, cleansing, controversy, conflict, crucifixion. But also when Christ comes to town, and remember this, he comes only as one individual, as a conqueror. Christ, when he comes to town, he comes not to lose. Christ does not lose. Well, it may appear as though he loses a battle here or there, but he's never lost a war. And we have the promise he never will. When Christ comes, he comes to be a conqueror. A king who is a king always in victory. This is the thing we must remember. And this is the paramount teaching of Palm Sunday, that Christ is a conqueror no matter what comes our way or his. You heard that scripture reading this morning about how Christ sat upon the bare back of a, of a colt. 
That particular scripture reading was read many years ago in a church service, and sitting in the congregation was a man who was a cowboy by profession. And when the preacher talked about this, the cowboy was heard to murmur half audibly, My, what beautiful hands he must have had. And after the church service was over, an individual who had heard the cowboy said, Why did you say that? He said, to ride an unbroken, unsaddled colt through the windy streets of Jerusalem, with people waving palm branches and individuals shoving and shouting, that man had to have great hands to be able to control the reins and to guide that donkey through the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the story of Palm Sunday. That Jesus Christ was in control. And though the people did not understand it in those particular days, and they got involved only in the controversy, and in the confusion, and in the conflict, and in the crucifixion, some of them did not realize that in spite of all of this, God was still in control. Look back over the picture. You see that Christ knew exactly what was going to happen. He had prepared a man with a colt. And he said, when two individuals come to you on this particular Sunday and ask me by using the word, the Lord has need of it, you give them that colt. Look at the man who had been prepared to carry the water pitcher so that he could be a signal to the two individuals who were to prepare the feast of the Passover on that Thursday night. God had taken care of everything, and what was happening was merely the unfolding of his plan. That's the message of Palm Sunday, that Christ was in control, no matter what it looked like to anyone else. And that's the message we need to hear today. Sometimes in our discouragement, we concentrate too much on the confusion and on the conflict and on the controversy and on the crucifixion and on the rest of the things that are happening in our day. And we forget the victory. We forget the control. And what we need in this day of strikes, in this day of turmoil, this day of revolution, this day when all sorts of ruckuses are taking part on our campuses, it's just not law and order. But what we need are people who do not hang their heads in shame. Christians, though their hearts may be broken, still can throw back their shoulders and say, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up. For the King of Glory comes in. The King of Glory is coming into our time and into our lives. And it's not easy. But he's in complete control.